This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Welcome to Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. I'm your host, Corey Nathan, and it is an honor to be a part of the Democracy Group, a network of podcasts that examines what's broken in our democracy and how we can work together to fix it. You know what I'm going to say now, right? You know what I'm going to say. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and write a review. If you haven't done it already, or if you have, borrow your sister's phone or your wife's phone or your husband's phone or your brother's phone or your friend's Apple, your, your the iPhone, and do it on their phone. <laughs> we need more reviews. We need more reviews specifically on Apple because Apple is the big dog. They're the big dog of podcasts and there's so many other apps podcast apps get their cues from Apple. So the main thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to get noticed by Apple. They, they just don't, indie podcasters just don't get the time of day from Apple, um, especially podcasts like ours that are trying to engender a different kind of conversation, a civil conversation across our differences. Uh, Apple seems to respond more to screamers and extremists and just different things. They, they they climb up the charts. So we need your help. Go to Apple. Go to Apple Podcasts. Find Talking Politics and Religion. Like you're, you're on it. So you're there. So it's Talking T A L K I N apostrophe politics. Look it up. Easy to find that purple thing, and then go. They bury the. Um, they embed the option to review us a few episodes down in the list of episodes. So just scroll down just a little bit, like four or five episodes. That's where the thing is where you can hit five stars. Or listen, if I'm not your cup of tea, if you don't like that I curse, if you don't like my accent, if you just, I don't know, you if you have, if you like me 80%, but 20% of me is just not your cup of tea, fine, give me four stars. Don't give me two or three. That, that, that's, I don't know. Unless you have something constructive, then write me a note. And, you know, I'd love to improve. I'd love to hear constructive feedback. Um, either way. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. I'd really appreciate it. And um, today's episode is a wonderful roundtable conversation I was a part of over on the Freedom Road podcast. You remember Lisa Sharon Harper. She's been on the show a couple times before. She's a very dear friend of mine. Uh, we shared episodes of Freedom Road podcast. In fact, I'm proud to be that program's producer. It's been a real joy to collaborate with Lisa on her show and um, her endeavor. Uh, the Freedom Road is an excellent organization that Lisa founded and leads, doing some great work in our culture. But this conversation includes Lisa and me, as well as two incredible leaders in this space, Reverend Dr. Waltrina Middleton and Dr. Claudia Owens Shields, who also has become a, a good friend in uh, recent weeks and months. But Lisa does a great job introducing our roundtable conversation and these incredible leaders. So I'll let her do that. But before we move on, I wanted to tell you about something else that's important. Money, <laughs> uh, specifically your money. In all seriousness, I wanted to tell you about my advisor and my friend, George Meza. George runs Meza Wealth Management. And with George, it's not just about money. It's about helping us manage our present and plan for our future. And unlike a lot of other firms out there, George and I actually have a relationship. He knows me, he knows my family, and I know his wonderful family. 
I also know his firm and the incredible team he's put together from his chief investment officer to some of the other great people in his office, like Jessica, their head of operations that are always there to help me and with all aspects of our portfolio. You see, the thing is, I got a lot going on. I guess we all got a lot going on and I don't have the time to watch our investments all day, every day. And even if I did, I don't have the experience and expertise that George's team collectively has. So we get the entire Mesa Wealth Management team, all their expertise and all their integrity. And again, it's based on George knowing me personally, knowing my goals and even the kind of risk that's appropriate for me to take, which, by the way, could change from one season to the next. And they're on top of all of that. So if you want George Mesa and Mesa Wealth Management to be on your team, just visit their website, mesawealth.com. That's M-E-Z-A wealth.com, www.mesawealth.com. And that will also be in our show notes, so you can check that. And now, back to our show. Coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, I'm Lisa Sharon Harper, president of Freedom Road, a consulting group dedicated to shrinking the narrative gap. Welcome to the Freedom Road podcast. Each episode, we speak with national faith leaders, advocates, activists, people in government to have the kinds of conversations we normally have on the front lines. It's just that this time we've got microphones in our faces and you are listening in. Now, today we've got my posse with me, <laughs> or at least part of it. Uh, these are the people that I run with all year long, and they they do the work alongside me um, in our consulting work, in the podcast, um, in a lot of other different um, uh, spaces and venues. And I am so excited. I invited them to come and talk with us to help me to process 2023, y'all, because we are now at the end of an incredible year, a year that has brought calamity, a year that has brought hope, a year that has brought beauty um, in, in small spaces and in large spaces. And I didn't want to just do this on my own. I always, you know, I work with my people. So I decided to invite Dr. Claudia Owen Shields and Corey Nathan to join me. They are partners in our work on Freedom Road. So Dr. Owen Shields is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in multi-ethnic psychology. She's formerly a tenured professor out of Chicago School of Psychology, and she's also a senior consultant with Freedom Road. And Corey Nathan is the celebrated host of the Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other podcast. And he doubles in his off time as the engineer and producer of this podcast, a Freedom Road podcast. So... Welcome, my friends, um, to Freedom Road, the Freedom Road podcast, and I'm so excited to have them help us to process 2023. Now, we would love to hear your thoughts, so please tweet, Insta, um, thread us, uh, Facebook us, and let us know how you, what you thought of this conversation. Let us know if you have other thoughts to add to the conversation, and also keep sharing the podcast with your friends. We have an incredible audience. I just found out this week, y'all. I just found out that we are among the 1.5%, the top 1.5% of podcasts in the world. <laughs> so share it, share, 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 share the conversation. Yes, we are. So we are excited. So let me just look, this, this particular conversation is going to be free flowing. I've asked my friends to come prepared, you know, to share some stories and also some insights they've had. 
And so, all right, y'all, Corey, Claudia, what, what's your favorite story that, um, that kind of illustrates a favorite moment in our work together in 2023. 2023 was a pretty big year. I mean, I'm thinking, I think back to all of the incredible guests that we've had, Corey, on the podcast. I think back to our conversations, even after our podcast conversations where you're like, whoa, that was amazing. (laughs) And then, you know, and then you go into like, why did that actually rock your world and all that stuff? And then Claudia, oh my gosh, like we have experienced some crazy, amazing moments together, particularly you and I on the road in pilgrimages, um, because that's the primary place where you work with us is on our pilgrimages. So I'm really looking forward to hearing like, what were your favorite moments of the year? Well, one of my favorite moments just happened because we were just joined by another guest on this. <laughs> were we? Yeah. Did you oh, see, my oh, you gosh. didn't see the, yeah, you didn't see that? <laughs> no, I didn't see it because I'm looking at my, my script. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, Trina, it is so good to see you. Okay, so should I, I should probably redo the- redo No, no, the, we'll do it on the fly. This is fine. We'll do it on the, we're gonna do it on the fly. Hey folks, we were just joined by another one of our posse. <laughs> so excited. Oh, Waltrina Middleton, Reverend Dr. Waltrina Middleton. Um, she is the Executive Director of Community Renewal Society based out of Chicago. She's also Gullah and, and, and kind of lives between Chicago and South Carolina and often joins us on the road in on Freedom Road, literally on the road when we do pilgrimages. And she specializes as our spiritual formation director, um, the director of our work in spiritual formation. And she is a force. So I'm so excited. Thank you so much for jumping on, Waltrina. Thank you for making this work. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. So good to be with you all. Absolutely. Yay. Okay. So, so while Trina, just so you know, I already asked everybody to please just share, share like one of your favorite moments in 2024 in the work that we've done this year together. So Corey's been working with us in the podcast. You and Claudia actually have worked together a few times. What are some of those moments? Anybody just go, you just jump in. Well, there's so many there's so many, Lisa, and I think that, of course, it, it would probably be easy for me to point to some of the relationships that we've built with the communities. But mm-hmm. I also think um, for me, just personally, um, you just mentioned the cohort of partners um, that often travel to these sacred sites um, to help us to go deeper into the narratives in those spaces and to have someone that have the skill set that like a Claudia have, you know, in terms of being able to hold space for folks as they're processing um, just emotionally what they're going through. And to have someone like, you know, Renee in South Africa um, with her, unique take on how we digest biblical narrative, being able to kind of step back and watch, you know, I'll just say it, these badass Black women, (laughs) you know, be a force in these spaces, but also to create these safe, 
and sacred spaces just have been really um, transformative for me, um, especially in light of all that we have witnessed in our world and our society today. Mm-hmm. We're often nurturing and caring for others and we're holding these sacred spaces. Um, but then we also need folks that can help us to replenish our spirit so we can continue to do the work. And mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll just say that it's really been powerful and transformative to share and bear witness in this space. Um, And while we are working to minister to, I feel as if we're also pouring into each other and to be able to walk alongside um, your brilliance, the brilliance of a Claudia, the brilliance of a Renee and so many others. um, It's just really um, helped me to even feel more empowered and, and stronger and courageous when we've left those places. So, um, and yes, I can cite like a specific um, event, like when we Freedom Road is doing work in Alabama, you know, yeah. and, and, and being able to um, trace the steps of those freedom fighters there to tell the narratives of the water. Um, yes. And especially in light of the 21st century events, you know, like the steamboat um, uprising. Yeah, the uprising right you on know, the banks. Yes. Yeah. You know, to witness <laughs> such a moment in 21st century, but also to know the narratives of those rivers and how enslaved people navigated those waters, um, that you had significant folks like Rosa Parks that walked those streets, um, and to understand that those systemic challenges still exist today and to be able to navigate and process and work through those narratives with communities today, um, with the museums that bear witness to lynching, those those are spaces that um, I will never forget. I will continue to be transformed by the past and the present, but also giving thanks for those who have committed to doing that sacred work and to be in that space with you all. I can't speak to just how powerful that has been for me. And I have to say, Waltrina, and I'm sure that Claudia can can come in and chorus and just and confirm this. But honestly, like your work, like your work in those spaces, particularly the the work with um, with objects that help us to carry the stories home. That last one that we did with the Aspen Institute, I mean, that was like like the nuclear version of of your brilliance. Um, l- let me just share, like. While Trina led us through in every step of the way, every day of a a three-day journey, um, she brought a new object that actually helped people to kind of carry the meaning of that day or the spiritual, like connect to the meaning of that day. So the first day she had people the first night actually as part of our ceremony that opened things she had people put water in to these little vials that she she bought like it was just kind of and, and let me tell you this was not something that i directed it was something i asked her to vision for we we thought about it together but but this is the way that waltrina's mind works right she said let me go get water from the river so she actually got somebody Somebody was working on the side of the river one day when she came out a little early to go down into the river, into the Alabama River and get water out of the river. And we poured a little bit of water into each person's vial. And each day then 
a new thing was put into the vial. So that day it was about carrying the water. And that day we started at the water and we went to this the auction block that is now a fountain. It's actually a drained fountain in the middle, hello, in the middle of Montgomery, Alabama. And, um, and, and then the next day she gave us each a shell to place inside of the vial, inside of the water. And the shell represented the bones, the bones of the ancestors. Because that day we went to the Legacy Museum and the lynching monument, the monument for peace and justice. Um, and she, we were remembering the bones. And then the next day she gave us these butterflies because butterflies are about life and and transformation and the ability to move from, from death to life, from life to death to life. And so everybody went home with a vial full of little bit of water with a bone in it and a butterfly. I still have that. I still have it in my room. I'm not, that thing is going to, that thing's going to be passed down as a memento. Let's put it that way. Cause I want my descendants to, to know, to have that meaning as well. So thank you for that. Thank you, Ashe. Thank you. Ashe. Claudia, did you have anything you want to add to that? Because you were there as well or anything? Well, first, I want to say that that is a profoundly unfair question, asking what the favorite moment is. It's like asking a little kid who's just walked into a candy store I what know. their favorite is. Like, so yeah. I just want to say that after <laughs> this, I'm going to go back and go, oh, I could have said that. And oh, I could have. Right. I'm sorry. So, I didn't mean that... to be torment <laughs> as you start your Advent holiday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll say two things. Uh, first, um, co-signing 100% what you said about um, what Waltrina brought. Mm -hmm. Every morning uh, on my counter right next to my mirror, or the first thing I see um, is my butterfly and my mm -hmm. little water with the shell in it, and it's still exactly as you presented it to us. Mm -hmm. um, and so it grounds me every morning. So mm -hmm. so thank you. Yeah. Um, what, one of the things I will say that's a particularly poignant moment um, would also be from our most recent pilgrimage, uh, oh, where we were yeah. in, yeah, where uh, we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we were listening to a Diné, uh, also known as uh, Navajo man. And he said, there is no word for sorry in our language. That's right. That's right. I remember, I remember, I remember the look on your face. I remember you gasped actually when he said that. I got that chills just down. right now thinking about it because yeah. it so resonates with um, my faith tradition in terms of reparation, mm. right? And we don't say sorry. Mm. We say, this is what we did that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what we're going to do to fix it. Here's how we harmed you when we did it. Here's how we're going to change our lives and our lifestyle so that this never happens again. Mm. And only then do you humbly hope for forgiveness from the creator, but ain't no sorry in it. Mm. And so I just, that, that was life-changing for me. Mm. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm going to give a little shout out as well um, for Claudia's work. I mean, the so we brought Claudia on that pilgrimage and she was not able to be with the group this, the first time around. And the way that the time ended and the way that it ends for all of our pilgrimages, it was like, it was like night and day. <laughs> 
because Claudia was there and she was able to lead everybody through a coping and resilience exercise that brought us together as a community and and really did help. I mean, people, because they're conscious of the the unhealthy ways that we can begin to cope with this transformation we've undergone kind of without even realizing it. Um, uh, and we go back and it's almost like diving into cold water and having to struggle to communicate to our friends what we've just been through. Um, I think a lot of our people have have suffered a lot less or struggled a lot less because of Claudia's work. So Claudia, thank you so much for the the power, really, truly the power um, that comes from your expertise. And can I just say also, I'll take a risk and just say it, you know, like the, the power of touch. Um, you know, because our bodies are sacred. And when we're in these spaces, you know, our bodies were holding all of these very painful mm-hmm. narratives, these painful encounters with, with our ancestors. And we're we're trying to we're trying to push through it in real time, but we're also kind of caught in this time capsule of the past. Mm-hmm. We're wrestling with um, we're trying to reconcile a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you notice. If, if you're if you kind of step back from all that's going on is that Claudia I don't know like what superpower she has but she she keeps showing up like next to all of these people like there's if there's someone on their knees needs praying Claudia is on her knees praying next to them if there's someone holding onto the wall because they can't hold themselves up Claudia is just a present standing like I'm, I'm just right here next to you I'm right here next to you. If you need to let that wall go and you need to hold on to me, I'm right here. And to have that presence, um, people begin to trust and know, well, I I mean, I don't need it. I don't want to be touched right now. Mm -hmm. But if I do need that hug, if I need that embrace, if I need that hand at the center of my back, Mm -hmm. that there there is a presence there um, and is very sacred, um, especially when touch for for bodies that have been marginalized when mm. touch has been something that has been weaponized mm. against the body okay um, to have a healing touch that says i'm affirming you i'm affirming your humanity i'm affirming your your narrative your experience your witness um that's just a gift yeah. um as well amen amen wow thank you for that affirmation and confirmation mm. And I was able to hear spirit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. These are our stories. You're listening to the Freedom Road podcast, where we bring you stories from the front lines of the struggle for justice. Okay, so Corey, what was your favorite moment in the work we did in 2023? Favorite, maybe not the exact word I would think of, but I would say one of the most meaningful moments uh, for me in the entire year, not just in the work that we were doing together, but Mm. in my entire year was um, we stayed after, I think it was Dr. Rahab, uh, his interview. Yeah. And we stayed after for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe you detected that I was still processing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it was in the weeks after October 7th, I have family and and, uh, for for folks who don't know, I have family in Israel. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we had just learned that um, one of the nephews had uh, indeed 
died uh, on October 7th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the number one, um, sitting through Dr. Rahab's talk, it was a, it was a very important, for lack of a better word, exercise, mm-hmm. um, because it's so important to remember the humanity in all in, in all places, uh, the humanity of people in Gaza, the humanity of Palestinians in Israel, the humanity mm-hmm. of this individual, this incredible, brilliant mind who understands his family's history. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me to hear it also to line up my own family's history. Um, now it's not another side. It's not, right. and God forbid, it's not an enemy. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a man mm-hmm. who, who has a family, you know, um, yeah. and experience these historic events in a personal way. But speaking of experiencing it in a personal way, what you gave me, um, after that, I think it was after that, um, mm-hmm. that recording was, I, I don't know if there's like an official term for this, but I think of it as the ministry of this sucks. <laughs> you were kind of just, you were kind of just describing it. Like sometimes you just got to hang out with a brother, hang out with a sister, hang out with a loved one and just put your hand on their back, even in a virtual way and say, man, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually a real thing. That is a real thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in awe that you received it as such. I mean, that's beautiful. It's really powerful. Your generosity and just asking questions, because I think you could tell there are times when I, I can be minimally articulate, <laughs> but at that time, I, my insides, my heart, my head, my everything was still like mashed potatoes and not the good kind, you know? Right. So your generosity right. and just asking me, hmm. you know, asking me questions was really cherished. Oh, that's so cool. And if you're my brother, you are my brother, brother. And <laughs> I could tell, I could tell that you were, you know what I mean? I could tell it was a hard conversation. And Dr. Amitri Rahab is no joke. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no joke. He's the most published Palestinian theologian in Palestine. Um, and he came, he came with it, but it didn't he? We really did. He and did. He, he challenged a lot of our paradigms and I can, and it's so, sorry, it's so close for you. This is so close that I just, I was genuinely concerned for you. I was like, okay, how's my brother doing? So I'm glad that you received it and, and that, and that it, you actually received it as something that helped. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I have another question for us. I mean, well, let me, let me actually, first, let me share my favorite moment. <laughs> so my favorite, I mean, and again, maybe you're right. The word favorite is kind of a crazy word because it's not really favorite. It's more like, like deepest impression. Um, I have to, I have to say that I think that the work that we have been doing as Freedom Road, um, I wouldn't even say it's like any one thing, but I feel like in the second half of this year, we have just been, we, uh, the impact of our work among the people that we're working with has felt like fire, like a transforming, transformative fire. And I'm witnessing it. And I think that we experienced that with the Aspen Institute um, folks who went with us to Montgomery. I think we experienced that with the folks we worked with, with the Carter Center um, and the evangelicals we're working with there. Um, 
uh, when we went to Albuquerque and, and then also in, in that conversation with Dr. Rahab, but not only him, also with other people, even like, um, uh, we had a conversation a little earlier this, this year, we think in the, in the summer, uh, with Tamise Spencer, right? So, um, Tamise Spencer, I, her last name Helms, um, she rocked my world and, and finding another, another human being who has been doing such deep work in the scripture, um, and, um, and being able to push her out, um, to more people so that more people can hear and receive from her. Um, was just, this has been, it's been a really powerful year. So that's, those are my, that's my favorite, um, impression from 2023 from the work on freedom road is fire. It's just, it's an image. It's, it's the image of fire. So now I have another question. My question is, what have been the greatest challenges that our world has faced? Let's just think about it in 2023. And what are your thoughts on how the church and let's say our society should be engaging them or could engage them? You know, Mm -hmm. I would characterize it as a loss of consciousness. Um, it feels wow. to me that much of our planet has sunk into some sort of slumber. We are asleep to the fact that we are literally making ourselves and other organisms extinct on every level, right? Um, the species are literally becoming extinct. Mm-hmm. We're killing our coral reefs. Our air is becoming unbreathable. Our crops are dying. Monarch butterflies are an endangered species, mm. right? Mm. Um, during COVID, uh, there were there were elements of the ways in which slumber showed up in terms of our own well-being and not taking early on steps to protect ourselves and millions of lives lost. And mm-hmm. during COVID. Uh, We also saw that when human beings were required to shelter in place, the earth began to rapidly recover. Wasn't that deep? Right. Yeah, we could see it. Like we literally saw the difference. As soon as we were not putting all of these uh, gases into the air, Mm -hmm. right, and contributing to global warming, very quickly we could see um, photographs taken from space of the world beginning to heal. Mm. And we slept right through that moment. That was a powerful opportunity for awakening. Mm-hmm. The war that we're seeing now, again, is to me, we're, we're literally killing each other. Mm-hmm. I love what Corey said mm-hmm. about this is a human and we, we've lost touch with our shared humanity. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I would say I, I am just hopeful that we will awaken, that there will be an awakening before it's too late. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thanks for that, Claudia. It's similar to what I've been feeling and sensing is the challenge is about rehumanizing each other. Um, It's similar to what I was discussing earlier, but in general, uh, Mm -hmm. there is the challenge is, is to remember our own discernment um, to askew the temptation to um, characterize or mischaracterize in in order to simplify or oversimplify Mm. in order to dehumanize to make it easier for us to do these 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 violent conduct violence against each other yes 
the project is to is to rehumanize or as our our mutual friend uh, Roberto Che Dr. Roberto would say remember yes that we're members <laughs> of each other we're members of mm-hmm. our family our community right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, even across the miles to remember each other right so mm-hmm. and and as we go into 2024 that challenge is not going to get easier um, that that challenge. I was. This is. This might sound silly, but my brother he loves MMA. <laughs> Talk about pugilism. He loves MMA. So he took me to this new sports bar in town, and we watched the fights together. And there was this one fighter who just brazenly. He wears the MAGA hat. He comes in with an American flag around him, and he's like he's like Trump's fighter. He just. It's like this character he plays, but he's an wow. actual MMA fighter. Wow. And there was uh, something in me and. I never pray before like a sporting match. I prayed before that one. I'm like, please allow this guy just to go down. Just like, I just want him to lose. But the thing is, everybody in, uh, there were so many people, it was, it was packed with Trump supporters apparently, because mm. they were just big fans of this fighter. And um, there was the, you know, I forget the, what, what is it called? Let's go Brandon or something like that. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> there's this term. Yes, let's go Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, it's derogatory towards Biden. Mm. Um, and I'm just thinking, but the funny thing is, is I could have been sitting next to any one of them and having a perfectly neighborly conversation because they are my neighbors. Right. But then all of a sudden this red hat walks in and now all of a sudden everybody like, it's like we're cave people, like just ready to hammer each other, not just rooting for the, what's on the screen. Mm -hmm. So the the project is to remember, regardless of the. I, I, you know, regardless of, of the MAGA hat and, you know, the different sides of all that, mm-hmm. that person is still my neighbor, whoever mm-hmm. he might be rooting for that person's still mm-hmm. my neighbor. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's a challenge for me because it, it's a, you know, I, it, it's a big hurdle for me to overcome, but it's still my neighbor. That's so good. That's, I mean, that's like powerful. And I, you know, it actually connects in with something that I experienced and um, wrote about this morning on Instagram and um you, you guys did you see the the video of the girl who was saying to the guy I want more Palestinians to die more mm. Palestinians to need to die more Palestinians need to die and then guys guys who is Palestinian literally sitting there going really do you really believe that he goes yeah and then she's like I killed two I already killed two you're like what he goes I don't believe you and she says I'm in the army she's in the Israeli army and, and she's like a kid and he's like, you're in the army. And she's like, yeah, I'm in the army. And then it hit me as I was watching this. And then she's like, they all got to die. Like, she's like, she's like trying to be, honestly, she is, she's performing blackness in order to be cool and saying that all the Palestinians have to die. It's just like, it's like literally as twisted as it could possibly be. And as I thought about this, it struck me that this is moral injury. That's what's happened here. So Claudia, I know you could speak to this as a psychologist, but this is moral injury. And not only that, but it's not only her moral injury, but it struck me every single citizen in Israel has to, is compelled to, by law, to serve in the military. Every Girls, women, by the time they hit 18, at the time they hit 18, they are conscripted. Their brains are not fully formed. 
and they have an automatic weapon placed in their hands and they get they have to then go through a process of dehumanizing the other. It's a state-based process to dehumanize the other. And I thought, that's how that happens. And it's not just a simple, okay, she has moral injury because she went through this process. You have generations of an entire nation that has been systematically taught to kill their neighbor, their ethnic neighbor. And that's just in Israel. Here in the U.S., we're funding it. We're actually sending, like, I don't remember, it's like some inordinate amount, like 80%, 90% of the, of the military arms of Israel is provided by the U.S. So we're funding it. So we have to have some level of, of moral injury as well. And not only just that, but look at our, our, our own situation, the ways that the hashtag lives eventually our, our systems became desensitized to that river of hashtag lives. So I don't know exactly how to, how to wrap this thought, except just to say that I think one of the, I, I agree with you, Corey, I agree with you, Claudia. I think that the, the most urgent need that we have coming out of 2023 is to rehumanize each other. And I think specifically to reconnect with each other in doing it that it can't be done outside of the most, we need the most powerful version of rehumanization possible, which is through connection. Yeah, if I may, it happens on a moment to moment basis. Um, and an individual who makes a decision on a moment to moment basis, because if I make certain decisions like to say, F Donald Trump at that fight, you know, at the, the fights, it, it might seem, you know, uh, it might seem inconsequential and just, oh, we're just cheering and we're just having, but in a way, it's just a little scratch on my conscience, you know, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. the example that you used is, is much graver, obviously, but that's an individual, we have agency on an individual basis. One of my cousins who lives in Israel is a pacifist, so she's still engaged in the war. But she's chose to go a different route and teach. Mm -hmm. That's her role in the army mm -hmm. is to teach. And she teaches Palestinian Israel, you know, Israeli um, citizens who are Palestinians, Muslims, Bedouins, um, as well as Jews, of course. But that's what she chose to do. Others, though, it's a, it's our conscience. We're numbing our conscience and we're killing our conscience one little scratch at a time. That's literally it. And moral yeah. injury is particularly, it's particularly the result of being compelled to work, to, to act against your conscience. Mm. It's being, it's the force of the state, the force of authorities forcing you to take actions that you know are against your conscience. So anyway, I'm sorry. Um, well, Trina. Well, <clears throat> yes. Um, echoing what you all have shared, I think the thought that came to mind is just um, a reversal of progress, um, a reversal of um, these progressive moments throughout our history, um, hitting a wall where that in this wall that normalizes 
a culture of violence, this wall that normalizes um, just outright racism and bigotry mm -hmm. um, and hate in all of its forms, you know, from Roe versus Wade, um, the affirmative action um, to a person running for president saying that slavery benefited the persons who were enslaved, you know, to mm. George Santos, you know, to, um, you know, there's, there's no level of decency um, or a line invisible or not, you know, yes. that says that this is inhumane, that um, this um, dehumanizes not even those not only those that we oppress, but this dehumanizes us, you know, what, it's how low will we go? And so seeing this reversal of progress and understanding that lives literally were stolen so that we could get to this place um, of that we call progress and to see us kind of going backwards, if you will, mm -hmm. um, I think is, is critical to note. Um, but it also reminds me of something that, um, you know, we talk about you, the, using the master's tool. You can't dismantle the master's house, Audre Lorde, using mm -hmm. the master's tool. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering um, if we had taken greater notice of what Audre Lorde was saying, mm -hmm. this important stuff. And I know that you like to focus greatly on as we should um, reconnecting and rebuilding and reimagining. And that's important. But I also think about the um, removal, the, the uprooting, um, dismantling mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. these systems and structures of oppression, the roots so that they won't come back mm -hmm. um, so that we can say there will not be a reversal of these progress. When we fought so hard to get African-American studies in our schools. Um, we're not going to remove those books. We're not going to teach our children that slavery was good for them um, and so forth. We all know the examples of what we're witnessing, mm -hmm. not just in this presidential race, but the, the, the rhetoric that has been normalized in our society um, mm -hmm. gives evidence of the root that was not uprooted um, those those walls that um, there's still the structure is still there. Um, and how do we do that in a way um, that's also still life affirming so that life can still come forth from those places? Walking Freedom Road from coast to coast and around the globe. This is the Freedom Road podcast. Wow, that was such a great point that you um, that you um, closed us with in that last segment, Waltrina. Actually, it's a really great segue into my last question for our time. I actually, I tell you, we have like, y'all, we have had a great conversation and it's not done yet. So um, I want to look forward to 2024. You know, Waltrina, you talked about what I, let's say what I kind of um, imagined as you were talking is kind of the difference between D constructing, right? Or decolonizing. And what I've recently learned is post-colonial, right? So it's that it's the difference between dismantling the colonial system and now figuring out 
how do we live completely outside of it? Like, how do we find a new way of living together, right? So what's the new way going to be? And I, as we look forward to 2024, um, this promises to be one of the most contentious election years in American history. Um, we We have to strengthen ourselves. We have to strengthen our democracy. We have to organize ourselves um, and our communities. And we have to preserve um, uh, the freedoms that we actually already have and imagine new ways of being together in the world. So I'm wondering from that, you know, what do you think we should be doing? What do we need to do in 2024 in order to get to the end of the year in a space where we can reimagine a new way, a new way of being together in the world. You know, we we uh, we often speak of the African um, expression where they ask, "How are the children?" Mm. You know, yes. because if, if if we're not asking about the condition of the children, then you know, there's no future, there's no hope, and I think. Also, in that question, I also find what are the children doing? How can we look to them as well? And I, I think that sometimes um, if we look to how young people are showing up in the world today, we'll find a roadmap to how we can um, be this beloved community that we we say we seek. Wow. You know, we see a generation of young people that they're rejecting this nonsense that um, a woman does not have autonomy over her own body. They're rejecting this nonsense that um, we must dehumanize and um, reject mm -hmm. um, a transgender individual. Um, we They're rejecting this idea that Black, Brown, Indigenous, Asian, these communities of color that we cannot be harmonious in this world together. The Claudia talked about the, the environment. They are fierce advocates for care and for creation. Um, they are teaching us. It's really They're good. Showing us mm -hmm. how to journey on this path. Every generation will see a movement and uprising. And I'm convinced that the heart of every movement is is the youth, it's the children. They're leading it, albeit South Africa, you know, the United States, Palestine, where, wherever we will find movements True. and uprisings for freedom and justice, the children, the youth, alongside many other comrades, the youth are leading the way. And mm. I don't say that to oversimplify it, but I genuinely believe that our African siblings were, they, they that's a profound, way to enter into the community before I say hello, but so I to ask you, how are you doing? I must know how are the children mm -hmm. because they, um, they, they are the ones that will show us the way, you know, when they quote, um, you know, we who believe um, in freedom cannot rest until it comes. But the song that another verse also talks about the the children, how they will see us through the gale. They'll see us through the wind, the force of of whatever injustice we're fighting. The children will be the ones to see us through that. Mm -hmm. And so I can't overemphasize enough that importance. Amen. Reverend Waltrina, you were preaching. You made me I know. Uh, the scripture <laughs> Preach. Jesus says, suffer little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And I, I never put that together until till now. Mm. 
Um, really quickly, um, I would say my response uh, to your question, Lisa, in terms of what we would do, I think we move to a relational place. Um, as a community psychologist, one of the things I really believe is that it is the relationship that heals. Mm -hmm. um, and I will close with a quote from Martin Luther King. He said, darkness will not drive out darkness. Only light will do that. Hate will not drive out hate. Mm -hmm. Only love will do that. And so as corny as it might sound, I think we need a love, period. Amen. A to the men and the women. Thank you very much. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and, and to the women. Um, <laughs> well, I cannot be as profound as uh, Dr. Claudia, but uh, I, I do feel that we're we're in good hands uh, because mm -hmm. uh, just as an example, I look at who the protagonists already are and will continue to be going into 2024. We look at the attorney general in New York. We look at uh, a judge like Judge Chutkin in D.C. Hello. We look at the D.A. in in uh, Fulton County. Hello. And, and what what do they all have in common? I feel like we're in good hands, <laughs> right? So yeah, hold on, hold on. Let me just say, we 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 interviewed Christina Cleveland. Was that earlier this year or was that it was? Last it, year? I, yeah, it was a few months ago. So yeah. Christina Cleveland wrote the book "God Is a Black Woman." <laughs> <laughs> she shown up did, and she's pushing all kind of boundaries with her theological work. But what you basically just said is, um, hello, black women, we are in good hands. We're in good hands, but um, it, that's on a on a grander scale. But on a more personal level, I I, I couldn't agree more, uh, Doctor Doctor Shields, that it's about the relational. We often get caught up in, or I get caught up in the contest and the transactional. Uh, but if I focus on nurturing relationships, personal mm -hmm. relationships, that's where the, that's the seed, right? That's mm -hmm. the seed. So. Amen. Um, I want to just say that we are, we are in conversation right now with partners about developing a way for people in communities to come back together and actually to come together relationally to rehumanize each other. So I did not, I did not plan for this conversation to go as it did. But I do believe, I believe that God is at work in order to heal our nation. And we can look forward to that, but it'll only happen if we actually engage it. So stay tuned, stay tuned for ways that, um, that we can begin to heal ourselves and our nation. The conversations leaders have on the road to justice. This is the Freedom Road Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The Freedom Road podcast is recorded in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and wherever our guests lay their heads at night. And this episode was engineered and edited and produced by Corey Nathan of Scan Media. Freedom Road podcast is executive produced by Freedom Road LLC. We consult, coach, train, and design experiences that bring common understanding, common commitment, and lead to common action. You can find out more about our work at our website, freedomroad.us. Stay in the know by signing up for our updates, which are on Substack. <laughs> so make sure you check us out, Freedom Road on Substack. We promise we will not flood your inbox. And instead, we'll actually be sending you some amazing content throughout the month. So we invite you to listen again. Join us on the conversation on Freedom Road. Freedom Road.